Well, since it's Mother's Day, I thought we'd look at some uh, Mother's Day vocabulary. First one is feedback. That's the inevitable result when the baby doesn't appreciate the strained carrots. And so uh, we often have those bibs and onesies with orange all over them. Anyway, what about uh, bottle feeding? That's an opportunity for daddy to get up at 2 a.m. and uh, spend some time with the baby. As our children get older, grandparents, the people who think your children are wonderful even though they're sure you're not raising them right. Does that that sound like grandparents? Full name, what you call your child when you're angry with him. We all know that one. That, That is the truth there. How about a puddle, a small body of water that draws other small bodies wearing dry shoes into it? You just can't have a puddle without a kid in it, can you? And that's just, they just go together. It's like magnetism or something. And what about uh, who done it? None of the children who live in your house. That's always, that's always the case, isn't it? It's always, not, none of us did it. What about a show-off? Well, that's a child who's more talented than yours, okay? <laughs> if we'd be honest to admit that. And finally, independent. What we want our children to become as long as they do everything we say. Well, wasn't that, there's some truth to that. We want them out of the house. We want them to make their own decisions just as long as those decisions are exactly the same ones we would make. Then we're happy for them. It's hard when they make ones that we don't want. Anyway, let's talk about Joseph and about family. And as I shared last week, we'll look at it a little bit more this week. And you know very well he grew up in a difficult family. His story, in fact, begins with this difficulty. Genesis chapter 37 is where the story of Joseph begins. And it begins with this. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons, because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. And he made a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceable to him. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. That's how the story of Joseph begins, okay? If someone was writing a story of your life, do you think it would begin with the hatred that's in your family? The favoritism, the jealousy that's in your family? That's how Joseph's story begins. We often think of Joseph being treated poorly and wrongly by his brothers because, of course, they hated him so much that they sold him into slavery But some of you who have younger brothers or sisters and some of you who see the favoritism played to the youngest in the family may say, well, he deserved it, especially when you see how his story begins. It begins with him being a tattletale on his brothers. Daddy, daddy, you told these guys to go work. They were just being lazy. They were sitting under the tree. They were drinking water. They weren't doing any work. Daddy, Daddy, look how great I am. Have you ever seen the youngest in the family getting all the attention, and getting all the best gifts, and 
getting away with everything. We see that a lot in families, don't we? It happened in Joseph's, so that his older brother saw how he was spoiled. I even hear it in my family. Well, Jonathan's a spoiled brat. You let him get away with anything. Have you ever said that about your younger siblings? <laughs> I don't know. And then he has this dream about his brothers bowing down to him, even his parents bowing down to him. And you can imagine, he could have been discreet. He could have kept that to himself. But it almost seems like he bragged about it. Hey, guys, listen to the dream I had. Yeah, that's great. All you guys were bowing down to me. Doesn't that sound awesome? You can see why they had such hatred for him. As we shared last week, even before Joseph is born, his family has dysfunction about how his father has four women who give him, uh, in the end, 12 sons and a daughter, and, and how even there was rivalry among those wives, as you can imagine, having four women living under one house. So there was rivalry there, there was jealousy there, favoritism. We talked last week about how his brothers murdered men in a whole village because they raped their sister. So jealousy, lies, murder, anger, hatred, this is all in Joseph's family. But if we're honest, our families, maybe not to the extreme, but our families are difficult. You know one reason why? Because we are sinners. And if you put sinners under one roof sharing the same bathroom, <laughs> trying to choose what to watch on television, trying to choose where to go for dinner or what to have for dinner, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have difficulty. In fact, the, the ones that we live with, our closest family, the ones that we share a home with, they know us better than anybody. They see everything about us, the good and the bad. You know, it's easier to fool people outside of our home because we can put on uh, a smile, we can uh, say nice words, we can put on good clothes, you know, we can pretend. You can't pretend with your family that lives with you under your roof. They know and they see. That's why it's so difficult. I, I think of families and why they're difficult, and, and one reason is we're so different sometimes. I have no idea what this book is. I just found the picture of it, but I like it. Oh my, how we're different. That describes family. That's animals. Sometimes family is like a zoo. Isn't that true? So that, that's why I thought this was an appropriate picture. Don't we have in our families people who have different agendas, different goals, different ideas of what's great, what's bad? I mean, just think about it. Sometimes you'll be in a family, someone's a night owl, wants to stay up all night. Someone wants to get up early. Now, if you're married to each other, that's difficult, isn't it? When one wants to stay up to one in the morning, the other one wants to get up at four in the morning. I mean, that's just an, an example of how difficult it can be when we're different. A different taste, different preferences, different vision of the future, uh, handles stress differently, uh, shows love differently. Can't you see how that would cause a lot of difficulty in a family? Let's just think about love. Sometimes people show love by using their words. Sometimes they show love by giving gifts. Sometimes they show love by giving hugs. Sometimes they show love by being a servant. And isn't it difficult if you are a person who shows love in one way, 
being a servant, and the other person in your home expects to get gifts to be shown love. You see how even something as simple as showing love, because we're different, can be difficult. But you know what? Sometimes we're too much alike. That's why family's difficult. Uh, We often realize that parents and children look a lot alike. That's genetics, isn't it? And uh, uh, maybe not quite alike like this. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) the person on the right is uh, Wallace Shawn. He's an actor. I'm sure the picture on the left is not his child or grandchild (laughs) or anything. But obviously some mom found that this one day, at this one moment, her cute little baby looked a lot like him. Uh, if you, uh, uh, right now he's acting in Young Sheldon, if you watch that television show, but uh, the, his favorite role for me was in Princess Bride. And if you ever saw that, inconceivable is what he would keep saying. It's inconceivable that we look so much like each other. But it, seriously, you know, uh, in family you can be, you know, if, if let's say, uh, mom or dad is a stubborn person. And then let's say son or daughter is a stubborn person. You can see how two stubborn people are just going to hit heads. And uh, don't we often uh, uh, we'll, we'll complain and whine about someone whining and complaining. Right? Or we will get angry because someone is stubborn. And why can't they just see it our way and do it our way? Do you see what I'm saying that often we're so much alike that we can't live together because we're always butting heads and always reacting to things the same way, and that causes difficulty and friction. I could go on, but all of you have lived long enough in a family to know that family is hard. Now, this is the problem. Sometimes because family life is difficult and hard, we want to give up on our family. Can you imagine Joseph? I am certain that he was ready to give up on his family. His brothers threw him in a cistern, left him for dead. His brothers sold him into slavery. But Joseph didn't do that. Even when he was in Egypt... It would have been easy for him to say, forget that family. I'm glad they're not here. I'm glad they're gone. I hope I never, ever see them again. But Joseph didn't do that. In fact, he did the opposite. He went to great lengths and used several tests to test his brothers. One might even say he went to great deception and hiding his identity so that he could be reconciled to his family. Did he need to do that? Obviously not. He was second in command in Egypt. He could have had that position, enjoyed the benefits of that position, and never give a second thought to his family. And there would be many who would probably not think he was all that foolish. Many would not criticize him if he decided, well, forget them, look at how they treated me. But he didn't do that. You see what happened, the famine, remember, was severe in the land. God had given Pharaoh a dream. Joseph had interpreted it. Seven years of plenty 
but then seven years of severe famine. And so Joseph's plan was being carried out. For seven years, they gathered all of the surplus and they stored it. And they had a great surplus to survive the seven years of drought. So, as the famine became worse, people in Egypt and then people farther away from Egypt came to Egypt to get food. Joseph's family was starving. They needed food. Where did they go? They went to Egypt. There were ten brothers who traveled to Egypt. Jacob refused to let them take Benjamin. Remember, Benjamin was Joseph's brother. The only two sons born to his favorite wife, Rachel. Remember, Jacob thinks that Joseph is dead because His sons lied to him and said that a wild animal had destroyed, ripped apart his son Joseph. So uh, Jacob reasoned, my son Joseph is dead. I don't want to lose my son Benjamin. He's staying right next to me. He's staying home. So again, what do you think the brothers felt when dad says, it's time to get some food. I'm not going to risk Benjamin's life. You guys go. I don't care about your life. You can risk your life, but I'm not going to let... Benjamin's life be risked. So the ten of them travel to Egypt. They come before Joseph because Joseph's the one handing out the food. Of course, they have no idea who he is. It's been 13 years since they've seen each other. The last time they saw Joseph, he was a teenager. The last time they saw Joseph, he looked like a Hebrew. He probably had a beard. Of course, was wearing Hebrew clothes. Now they're looking at an Egyptian, clean-shaven, with all of the garb and the robes of royalty. There's no way they would have recognized who he was. But Joseph immediately knew who he was looking at. But right then, in that moment, he didn't say, Hey, brothers, it's Joseph, here I am. He took time. He took the time to test them. And you might ask why. Here's why. Think about this. First of all, he sees, he can count, there's ten. And there's one missing Benjamin. Now, of course, Joseph doesn't know why. He might have reasoned, you know what? There were two of us born to Rachel. They got rid of me. (laughs) Did they do the same to Benjamin? He wanted to see where his brother was. He wanted to find out how his father was doing. He wanted to see if his brother's heart had changed. He wanted possibly for them to experience a little bit of what he did. So this is what he does. He asks them questions about their, his, their family, about their father, about how many siblings they have, and they tell him. Because he accuses them of being spies. So this way he gets information from them. And they tell him, yeah, our father's still alive. Joseph, I'm sure, was happy about that. Yeah, we do have another brother. He's the youngest. He's Benjamin. He's back home with dad. So he knows that Benjamin's alive. That must have brought great joy to him. But he still wasn't yet ready to reveal himself. He accused them of being spies. And he said, because you're spies, I'm going to throw you into prison. For three days, the brothers were in prison. Joseph came back to them and said, 
I'm not a harsh man. I'm going to let all of you go except for one. If you ever want any more food from me again, if you ever want to see your brother again, you need to all come back, including your brother Benjamin. Also, he puts all the money that they had paid him for the food back into their bags and sends them on their way. I wonder if they ever thought when they saw the silver in the bag that they had sold their brother into slavery for some silver. I wonder when they were in prison for those three days if they ever thought about how they treated their brother Joseph. It seems that they did because this is what they said to themselves. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how, he dis- how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why this distress has come on us. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. You see, I think God gave Joseph this wisdom to treat his brothers in this way, to test them, to see if their hearts had changed, for them to see the guilt of their sin. In fact, when they go back to Joseph, this is what, excuse me, to Jacob, this is what their father Jacob says. You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. Now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. And trust him to my care and I will bring him back. So here you do see a difference. I mean, Reuben's hopefully exaggerating a little bit here. But he's saying to Jacob, Jacob, Dad, let us go back. So we can get Simeon and bring him back. And I guarantee you that Benjamin will come back too. And if he doesn't, I'll let you have my sons. In fact, you can kill them. That's a lot different attitude than they had toward Joseph, isn't it? Joseph still wanted to test them, to bring his family together. Finally, Jacob realizes there's no food. He put off sending them back for months because he feared losing Benjamin. But at one point, finally, he realized we're going to starve to death. So he says, all right, sons, you can go back. Take Benjamin, go back. Here's the money that they gave you back. Take it back. Give some gifts to give to uh, the Pharaoh's servant. Go down, get the food, and please come back with everybody. So they go down there. They meet Joseph. Joseph still hasn't revealed himself to them. And in fact, Joseph has a big dinner for them. And in this dinner, this is what happens. The men had been seated before him, before Joseph, in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest. Do you think that raised some suspicion? (laughs) When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. You see, Joseph wants to see their reaction. This is odd. He knows who the oldest is. He knows who the youngest is. This is odd. The youngest is getting spoiled. He's being treated favorably. He's being treated like the little brat that we think he is. How are they going to respond? In anger? Joseph did one more thing after that. They, uh, Joseph gives them the grain. He sends them on their way, all the brothers. They think they're going to make it. 
but he puts a silver cup in Benjamin's sack and sends his steward after the group of brothers traveling back home and says, Someone, one of you has stolen my cup. The brothers say, of course, well, no, we didn't steal any cup. And he says, yes, you have. The one who's stolen it will be my slave. And you know who found, who had the cup? It was Benjamin. Now, the brothers have a choice. They had a choice with Joseph 13 years before. Their choice was to sell their brother into slavery. We don't care. Get rid of him. Would they do the same this time? Would they say to Joseph, sure, take Benjamin. We don't care. We sold his brother into slavery. We can sell him into slavery too. But they didn't say that. Judah had been the one who guaranteed Jacob that Benjamin would come back. And so this is what Judah says. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. These men, over the years, had changed. When Benjamin was favored, it didn't rile their jealousy. When Benjamin's life was in danger... They didn't abandon him to save their own skin. Judah willingly sacrificed his life for his younger brother. And at that point, Joseph couldn't keep his identity a secret any longer. In tears, he revealed to his brothers that he was Joseph. Do you see what Joseph went through to bring this family back together? Do you see that Joseph never gave up on wanting to see Benjamin, wanting to see his father again? It would have been so much easier to forget them. It would have been so much easier when he saw them the first time just to give them the grain and send them on back. But he didn't. He would not give up on his family. Sometimes in our family we have the proverbial black sheep that one or maybe more than one in your family that's just so easy to give up on. That one doesn't fit in with the rest of us, thinks differently than the rest of us, always is screwing up. And we're just tempted just to give up on that one. But Joseph didn't. And you know why he was able to reconcile with his brothers? Because of his love, his forgiveness of them. Of course, when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, they were frightened that he was going to kill them. As you can imagine, he could easily have done with his position of power. I read those verses last week. I've read these verses every week because I think this is the key verse of Joseph's story. Joseph said to his brothers, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph forgave his brothers. Joseph did so because he loved his brothers. That's, those are the keys to reconciliation and family. I, I would even encourage you right now to think of people in your family that 
you haven't talked to in a long time, haven't been close to in a long time, and think about why. It probably was someone did something that caused heartache, caused hurt, caused friction. And now that is a barrier between a strong relationship. What tears down that barrier is forgiveness. That's what Joseph did. You know, the scripture is filled with verses that tell us to love and to forgive. Peter reminds us, above all, maintain an intense love for each other since love covers a multitude of sins. And Paul says, accept one another and forgive one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. Here is the standard. We forgive as Jesus has forgiven us. That always hits me right between the eyes. Because Jesus has forgiven all of our sin. When we come in confession and repentance, Jesus never turns us away. There's never a sin that he says, nope. I'm not going to forgive that one. There's never a time that we come and he says, nope, you've come too many times. The last time was the last time. So if that's how Jesus forgives, that's how we have to forgive one another, and especially our family. Every time, for whatever reason, we forgive. And that tears down the barriers that hinder us from being close to each other, strong and united. And in both Peter and Paul say, above all, love. It's the bond right here, Paul says, that brings unity. That's the, the glue that keeps us together is love. And Peter says, love, it covers a multitude of sins. All those things in our family that make it difficult and, and great against us and irritate us and divide us, love for each other covers all of that. Why would you spend so much time to bring unity in a family? It's because family is worth it. Family is worth it. Look at what God said to Jacob. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you back. Joseph will put his hands on your eyes. You see, because Joseph went to great lengths to bring his family back together, Jacob got to see his son again. And in fact, not only did he get to see his son again, Jacob came down with all of his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. They settled in Egypt, in the best part of the land. They became a nation over the course of a few hundred years of millions of people. Jacob personally got to see not only Joseph, he got to see his sons, Manassas and Ephraim. He got to bless those grandchildren of his, those children of Joseph. He got to be there with all of his children, to bless all of them. And then Joseph himself 
The son that Jacob thought was dead was the one who was with Jacob at his death and closed his eyes when he took his last breath. Think about the love, the comfort, the blessing, the unity. Think about what happened to the whole family as it became a nation. All of that because Joseph didn't give up on his family, did the hard work to bring reconciliation, and forgave and loved his family. And look at what happened. See, family is worth it. And forgiving and going the last mile to bring the family together is worth it. It says also, Joseph settled his father and brothers in the land of Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided for his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food for their dependents. You see, strong families are worth it. You know that Satan attacks families. Don't you know that? He knows if he can attack a family, he can divide it, he can conquer it, that it is going to not only affect the people in that family, it's going to affect other families, it's going to affect a church, it's going to affect a community. That's why he attacks families. That's why we can't give up on family. That's why we need to stay strong in love, and that's why we need to forgive, and that's why we need to not give up and to go to great lengths to keep our families together and to keep them strong and to keep them focused on the Lord. Because if we do that, Satan isn't going to be able to tear it apart. And strong families create strong churches that are able to further the kingdom work of God. And strong churches and strong families make strong communities that are able to care for the whole community and able to have a community as a whole that's blessed. In, in reality, strong communities make strong nations, make the world strong. I mean, you think about having a world at peace and a, and a world in harmony and a, and a world uh, where the name of Christ is honored and, and worshipped. And you think about that and you think, well, how can we get that? You start with your family. Start there. And strengthen it. And love in it. And forgive in it. And proclaim the name of Christ in it. And watch how one strong family after another can change the world. That's why we don't give up on family. When the unexpected happens, when things happen that we just don't know will happen, we don't give up on our family. Father, I pray for the families that are here today. Lord, we've prayed for, for moms. And as I prayed earlier, Lord, I know that moms are often that glue that keeps families together and strong. And I know why, Lord, because they are so loving and they're so forgiving. Lord, may every one of us in our family be that way. And may we have a desire for our families to be together and strong. Make it so, Lord as we seek it, and as we pray for it. And I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Stand with me, please. We're going to sing, but not just sing to close the service.
but we are responding to what the Lord has spoken to our hearts. 